0: Good evening. Um, as we begin, one quick note. If you have not received a worksheet for tonight, raise your hand to get one. They are distinct and different from the worksheets we had last night or yesterday for those studies. Uh, Cloud will get uh, some of those for you. So um, first of all, I want to welcome everyone tonight. Um, our, our discussion tonight will be a little bit different than maybe usual. Um, some people know why, some people don't. So I want to take a minute Uh, and introduce kind of what we're doing tonight. So this year, um, our groups have a theme, um, and and that theme is growing as each and every member does their job. And so our quarterly group Bible studies are taking that topic and breaking it down into three age groups, um, uh, younger, middle, and older. Uh, You get to self-identify as to which group you're in, uh, I don't plan on forcing you into any of those groups. Um, and then the fourth group that we'll talk about in the fourth quarter is leaders uh, as well. Um, if the AV guys could just turn me down a little bit. I can hear myself a smidge too much. Um, our group studies this year, they're going to focus on that. And, and really the idea is that the service in each and every member is necessary for the congregation, for the body, to grow to its fullest. Whether you're young, or you would describe yourself as old, you're male, you're female, you're a leader, or you prefer to follow, you're an introvert or an extrovert, this idea of the necessity of joint service is laid out by Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, Paul says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, I want to kind of pull you back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians. The the book of 1 Corinthians is about the fact that this church in Corinth is basically divided on every single measure that you can imagine. Some of them align themselves with different teachers that they receive teaching from. We know as we read through the book that some of them are in pretty significant sin and doing so among the body, and some of them are bragging about it, hopefully. Not all of them, which is part of the division, right? It's a good thing. Um, And and as we go through the book, Paul lays out all these ways in which the members of the body in Corinth can work towards being united as a member of or as a congregation of God's people. And in, in chapter 12, he lays out this idea of service being required for every single one. And and I would just remind you that he said that God put every single member within the body. Each one of you is here because God has a design for your service to benefit the body here. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that way about the service of others? Do you feel that way about your service? When you think of service that matters, would you count the service that you offer as part of that? Well, Paul says... God put you here to serve. God's design for the Lord's church is not exclusionary. He doesn't desire the service of some while feeling ambivalent about the service of others. God designed the church so that all can serve to the building up of the body. Yesterday, our discussion in our groups focused on that service of younger people. So tonight we're going to talk about the service of younger people and in a quarter we'll talk about those that are middle-aged and then older and then leaders. So get used to talking about service and how your service and how your acceptance of other's service is necessary for us to be united in the work of the Father. So if you'll pick up your worksheet, there's three questions we're gonna go through together. And then there's also a little space at the bottom for you to make notes throughout. I'm gonna talk about that space first. At the very bottom of your worksheet, you should see something labeled examples of service. So as we talk today, I plan to share examples throughout of service. I hope others will share some also. This is a place for you to make notes about service that maybe you didn't even think about being service. So that later you can remind yourself of maybe service that you don't always categorize as service and be spurred to potentially provide that uh, if, if you're available to. So let's look at question number one first. What are the expectations that Paul has of Timothy in these three verses that you see at the top of the page? What we're going to do is we're going to take about a minute and a half or two minutes. I'd. Like Um, Read through those verses yourself. Um, Most of you likely did that yesterday already. And then jot down some answers to this. And then we're going to have a conversation together about that. So what are the expectations that Paul has of Timothy in these three verses? All right. Hopefully you had enough time to jot down a few notes. So as you read through these three verses, two from 1 Timothy and uh, another from Second Timothy. What expectations can you see that Paul has for Timothy? Michael. It's not, a it's not just hey, don't do bad things. It's like don't do bad things, but also do good things. Yeah, and I don't think so. So Michael referenced that as like a general idea. I think. When, when Paul tells Timothy, flee, he, there's a whole list of flee, and maybe some folks will make some comments about that, but he also lists things to fill, fill that space up with. And, and I think maybe that is a fault that we sometimes have when we give advice, um, especially to younger people, is we may tell them all the don'ts and not yet give them sufficient instruction on what they should fill their cup with uh, instead of just fleeing from things, what should they do in addition to fleeing? What else? Okay. Yes, sir. There's usually an expectation when you're young that you don't do the things that fall to stop it. Pretending that not connect things that come out of typically the equal category. Um, so I, I think one thing that he's trying to get across to is don't use your youthfulness as an excuse. That you can do these things, and you can even pursue them when you're not. Don't make an excuse just because. I think Evan's point is so powerful that that Paul doesn't really give Timothy any quarter. He doesn't tell him, well, you know, you're young, so just kind of do these things or do a couple of them. In, in 4 verse 12, what does he actually tell him to do in regard to how well he manifests these things he should pursue? Yeah, be an example. Don't just kind of do these things. No, Timothy, I don't care that you're youthful. You're supposed to be an example to others and how you act. And I would tell you it may be important for us to emulate Paul in that he gives expectation to Timothy. The expectation that this older man provides to this younger man is that he has work to do, that there are expectations of his service, that he doesn't get some sort of you know, free time um, when he's younger, and then when he's older is the time to buck up and start serving. No, his job is to be an example now. What else does he tell him? So, uh, kind of amazing. Uh, you're, you're a young guy, there's a whole lot of people in this congregation, where you are, the elders, etc. and yet you can be a leader. Uh, we, we change it from example to leader, and it maybe sound a little different to this a lot of young people who don't make them think of themselves exactly and so 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 Paul is really leaning into the fact that Timothy needs to be a leader, and then when you go on and read in chapter five, um, you'll see even more of that discussion of the ways in which Timothy is supposed to be a leader, including the rebuke of elders if elders are failing to serve that he charges Timothy with that work as I would say he charges all evangelists with that work. Um, what else do you see? Mara? The second Timothy 2.22 in that class is to work with those. So it is not just Timothy doing it by himself in pursuits, it's with the... Yeah, he isn't called to be a Christian just on his own. Instead, part of being a leader and being an example and being part of a congregation is that he's called to do these things with other people. That's how we encourage. That's how we lead. That's how we help feed the body that we're among is we do them with our brethren. Chip, were you going to say something? Sounds better to say we influence people regardless of our regardless of our status, regardless of our newness to Christianity or maturity to Christianity. We're influencing someone all the time, and I think what Timothy's main point here is better influence. We tend really to take advantage. Yeah, so, so don't allow your, inf- your influence to fade or be non-existent. Instead, when he tells Timothy not to be looked down upon, um, really Paul is making certain that Timothy sees it as his responsibility to maintain and shore up Timothy's influence that he has on others. And I think it's especially important to identify that Paul charges Timothy with that. When, when Paul tells Timothy this whole discussion of don't let others look down on you, um, or yesterday in our study, Chip kind of translated that a little bit to dismiss you. Essentially, you have no influence, you have no ability to, to make change because no one, no one like follows you. They just dismiss whatever you say. I think sometimes we might say that that, that call is on others. Hey, other people, don't dismiss this younger guy. And I think if you go to chapter 5 and you see how he describes older men or to treat younger men, you might see that there. But here, he doesn't give Timothy, like I said, any quarter on the topic. Instead, he tells him, it's your job to make certain that people don't look down on you, that they don't dismiss you. And I think that's where you can potentially translate this idea of youthfulness into immaturity. And that... That in order for for Timothy to maintain his influence, he has to have the marks of maturity within himself. And you see those laid out in these lists that Michael mentioned that he's supposed to fill his cup up with after he flees from a bunch of bad things. He's supposed to shore up his maturity by doing things like um, having good speech, good conduct, love, faith, and purity. Paul is concerned about the effectiveness of Timothy as a younger man and all the work that he has to do. Just like he's, we should all be concerned about the effectiveness of the younger people in our group here. Before we go on to question two, any other comments? Uh, Allison. I'm just going to say, what stuck out to me today looking at this is that it's, you have to be very intentional in order for these things to happen. You don't accidentally flee from things accidentally pursue things Um, you don't accident well you can become an example but not an example that's described here without real intentionality and effort um, and work yeah the without intentionality you will find yourself somewhere and most of the time it won't be where you'd like to be you won't end up in the spot that Paul is urging Timothy towards unless you intentionally chart a path towards being a good example, towards having good conduct, towards working with your brethren in these ways. All right, let's move on to to question two. What unique opportunities do younger people have to serve and how can we help identify, when I say we, perhaps those you might not define. If you say you're not younger, then you're part of this group. How can we help identify and enable that service of younger people. We'll do the same thing. We'll take about a minute and a half, um, jot down some notes, and then we'll have some more conversation. All right, first let's talk on the opportunity side. So I split mine into two sections. I got opportunity on the left, enablement on the right. So when you talk about, when you think about opportunity that young people have, that may be unique, may not be unique, but especially I'd like to talk about the unique ideas, what opportunities do they have, or you have, Young people have a different, theory. not secure in their spiritual situation. Even um, don't have the influences in their home maybe to do to have good good activities to do. So when you're young. influence to say, you know, we don't have to go with that, we can do this. So as a person that's not in that younger age group, provide opportunities for a get-together or anything that's, that they, that that would help them have an alternative. Yeah, so younger people have, uh, one, a broad spectrum of people that they're um, interacting with, but also, A lot of those people may not have called it fully formed in in a way, and are open to discussions. Also I would say, I think a lot of younger people um, are looking, they wouldn't say this, but they're looking for people to show them care. A good friend of mine, Matt Richmond, or Matt Richmond, grew up in Chattanooga, um, and When he was in high school, he grew up in a family that did not care or consider God at all, perhaps the opposite. Um, He sat at a lunch table with a guy named Jeff Holt. Some of you may know Jeff. And um, for the first, I think, two years they were in high school together, for some reason they sat with each other, but Matt was relentless with Jeff, Um, making fun of him, making fun of the fact that Jeff didn't do the same things that everyone else did, that Jeff was a goody two-shoes. Over time, though, Jeff showed Matt great care and great love. That included inviting Matt to his house. Um, and Matt got exposure to Bill and Nan, Jeff's parents. In the end, um, Matt was baptized. And he would tell you he was baptized because someone in his age group showed him the love of the Father. And Matt has gone on to preach. He's gone on to be a Businessman, he uses a lot of his resources to support the work of God, Um, and I can't talk enough about how impactful Jeff was at the lunch table with Matt. What other examples of opportunity, Wayne? Mentors come in all ages, even younger people the younger, people younger than them look up to them so much. And you see it here, when a very young person wants to sit next to somebody that might be a 20-something, and they show them great kids. And and it is a bonding thing. Uh, When our kids grew up in a college setting, the people that were the college students were just there anyway. Absolutely. Um, an idea to wrap your mind around is that no matter how old you are, I guess there's maybe one person this isn't true for, there's someone in this building younger than you. So when you think about younger and older, and as you kind of separate people into categories, um, there's, there is someone younger than you that needs your help and your love. I love the fact that Judah sits with Reagan. Reagan. And he asks about Reagan when she's not here. And for like the first time in a year, he sat with me this morning, and as soon as the last amen was said, he made a beeline to the porters because he wanted to talk to Reagan and to Christy and to Chip because they care for him. And one day, that's going to be important. I don't know when and I don't know why, but it will be. If you ask my wife about her time in high school. She'll tell you her parents got divorced as she was graduating from high school. Unlike Judah, she didn't have anyone she sat with at church. She didn't have an Allison or Elizabeth or a Nicole who love our daughters so much. And so as her parents got divorced and her faith faced great struggle, she didn't have anyone except for her parents, whose faith she was really connected to. And that was such a hard time for her. And that's part of why we encourage our children to have relationships with people that aren't us. Because one day, everyone in this building will need someone else to support their faith. It's guaranteed. It'll happen. What other opportunities do younger people have? Yep. Go ahead, we're going there next, so just get your comment. Say, on both sides. Energy and time. Youthfulness uh, comes with some degree of energy that it seems to wane as we get older, and time. Um, I know, like you said yesterday, but we probably all realize this as we get older. I can't believe properly how much time we have when we remember what we did at that time. So that for those of us who are young, make um, younger people realize and take advantage of these opportunities is to engage them um, in things we see that need attention and take advantage of their energy and their time. Absolutely. So this idea of having time, um, it is difficult to explain how much time Um, say someone under the age of 18 has. You might not feel like you have a lot of time, but you got a lot of time. For most of you that don't have children, or you aren't married, you have a lot more time than you might realize. And that's time that you can leverage for service. Um, In terms of enabling, how can we enable those people's service? So I love what Ken said. We can ask them to go with us. Asking a younger person to go with you is a great way to give them exposure to a variety of things, whether that's visiting or work or, uh, or whatever. Ask them to join you. What else? Let them be aware of the opportunity. Yeah, so simply point out the fact that an opportunity exists. They might not see it because no one's ever told them before that that's an opportunity. Yeah, what else? Julie? I might say brain. Um. Yeah, so when you see that someone potentially has talent or ability, and you identify that, ask them to go with you in that and help shore that up um, that 's why last year I asked David Deloge to help me teach James, because I saw in him potentially that he could be a really great teacher i 'd only seen him teach one time before that, and so we spent some time together. We talked about James a few times. I think he taught four or five times, and did fantastically. It was so great to get to to do that with him, but that 's why I invited him to do that was because I wanted him to have more opportunity. Uh, in that in that regard, um, I think we can also simply just make them part of our lives. We all we all live a life, and we may not realize that for someone younger, simply allowing them to be part of our life will enable their service and their faithfulness later in their life. Um, at a variety of times, I don't know if Jerry would say this is true right now, but Jerry has loved to lift weights. I don't know if everybody knows that, but Jerry, like he doesn't like to run. doesn't like to do anything cardio related, but if it's lifting weights, Jerry enjoys that. Well, I don't know now. Six, seven years ago, there was a family here, the Richardsons, and their son, Will, wanted to learn to lift weights. And he was doing it some, but in the end, Jerry invited Will to work out with him. And they worked out for, I guess, like two years together, something like that, a couple mornings a week. Um, And that's, you might say that's all it was. It wasn't meant to be much more than that, except for letting Will be part of Jerry's life. A few years later, Will needed some help. And he came and he stayed at Jerry and Allison's house, and he got that help. And I think Will would tell you where he is today is partly because of that. It all started with lifting weights, but it was more than that. A couple other examples of service and how time, as an example, can help, help that. When we were doing a, a fundraiser, uh, when we brought Judah home, um, I, if you want to see some pictures, it was a crazy fundraiser if you guys weren't there. We did an auction, largest auction, or not auction, a, a yard sale, um, largest yard sale I've ever been a part of. We raised $18,000. It was, it was an insane time. Um, and Crystal basically made it her goal to fill our house with things that could be sold at this yard sale. And two weeks beforehand, she realized she could not handle all of this stuff. And, and Michael and Emily found out. And they came, I think, multiple nights and helped sort through things and price things and move things. And in that conversation, we, we thanked them for that. And one thing that they said that was so beautiful was that, They were at a time in their life where they had more time than lots of other people, and they wanted to use that for good, and they did so over and over and over. Um, This will seem like a silly one, maybe, but a few years ago, Sarah Hall, and I think it was Emily, um, Lindsay, invited multiple of the younger girls from church, Chloe and Autumn were in that group, to come over one Sunday and bake cookies. Our daughters talked about that for two years. Two years, at minimum, they talked about that. They baked cookies on a Sunday afternoon. Was it a big deal? Yes, it was a big deal. The ways in which you can enable the service and faithfulness of younger people is to be alongside them and form a relationship with them and help them in ways maybe that you wished you'd had help when you were younger. All right, let's look at question three. How can we fulfill our responsibility to enable the faithfulness of younger people? Take about a minute and a half. All right. How can we enable... Or how can we, rather, how can we fulfill our responsibility to enable the faithfulness of the younger people among us? Michael. One thing that's kind of a hefty of mine. Yes. That would be really helpful is to speak with folk about the future. Um, I hear so much from older Christians, like, this world is not what used to be. Oh, my goodness, when I was a kid, I could my backyard, you know. Doors unlocked, all this stuff, and that's well and good, and I absolutely see that, but it makes me scared for the future. You know? And I want to have hope and trust in the power of Christ that no matter what future holds, God's gonna get all of us through. Amen. Amen. The people in my group yesterday will know that I specifically talked about that, and I plan to talk about it again, so we do it now. Um, Do not, I'm going to be more direct than Michael because that's part of the difference in our personalities. Don't say to younger people, it's harder to serve God now than it used to be. It's not harder. It's always been hard. We have an entire Bible filled with a whole bunch of books that talk about the difficulty, the joy, but the difficulty of serving God the Father. Are there things that are different now than they used to be when you were younger? Absolutely. Can I access pornography on my phone at any moment if I want to? Yes. But you know what? When I was growing up, I can remember walking into Kmart and I could buy pornography there. Can't do that now. Internet's put them out of business. You thought about that? Like we talk about like all the terrible things that the Internet has brought in some of these regards, but in lots of ways, it's put a whole bunch of people out of business who who used to do it. It's kind of weird, right? We don't ever talk about that. So there are some ways in which it's harder. But there are some ways in which it may be easier. Internet and other things enable us to communicate with people around the world. You can talk to people of faith. You can hear sermons. You can be encouraged in ways that even 10 years ago, people never could have imagined. When you talk to people about the differences now between when you were a kid and maybe when people are now, talk to them about the differences. But talk to them about the hope that comes from serving God the Father. And that those differences, they don't cripple God's ability to save you. God's the same God He was in the 1900s and the 1800s and in the 100s. And He will save His people. What else? Oh, Michael's got another one. Absolutely. What else? Brian. Absolutely. We can invest our time, our resources, our care in others and help encourage their faithfulness to the Father. What else? Allison. Awesome. Sometimes we have a hard time identifying where our strengths are and what those things might look like in the service of the Lord. And I think um, in our your study that we did with our groups, we talked a lot about like identifying those things and I thought, man, how powerful would that have been if somebody helped me as a you know, a young adult figure out what are those things that, that, that you see in me and how can I capitalize having Yeah, so helping helping people identify what they are really great at serving in. And then encouraging them in that, maybe identifying ways in which they can leverage that talent. Chip, you had one? I did. Uh, following a lot of the kind of the principle of what Timothy and Paul is teaching Timothy, this question sort of hits me as taking the role of this conversation congregation today, what I do? And I think what Paul is of all, is whole Timothy, Young people in my short time of serving as an elder who specifically asked to hold them accountable. Awesome trait for a young person. To to ask that, to be aware of the fact that they need to and ask you to do that. Well, the elders aren't the only only ones that should do that. that. So um, I would say that's called the Timothy. Don't give them a little quarter to hold them accountable. Hold them accountable and expect that they can be the servants of God that they should be. A couple more that I had, um, some of these are from our, our study yesterday. Um, one is to, to be open about our struggles. For, for anyone who's in here that's been a Christian for very long, it all has not been sunshine and rainbows. But sometimes that's kind of the image we're encouraged to give is that serving God and being a Christian is all, it, it, it's just always fun and it's always great and always feels like it's going to work out. It doesn't always feel that way. And sometimes it can be discouraging to people who haven't heard people who have survived struggles say that. They feel like they're never going to make it through. This, this trial is never going to end. But there are people in this room who should be telling those people I understand. The trial will end. The Lord will see you through. He did it for me. Here's when he did it for me. He did it for this person. They told me about it. Share the stories that we have of our own struggle and how the Father helped us through them. And related to that, talk about the joy that comes from serving God. Don't talk about all the time what you have to give up to be a servant. Instead, help others see that serving God is a great blessing. The family that he gives us here is one that people outside the family of God have no idea the blessing that we have here simply because of the people that we get to spend our lives with. I want to share a few examples um, of service that you might not always think are service. Um, And these are going to be kind of lean, they will lean towards some that younger people might do. Um, And I'm providing them, one, because I hope those younger people will write them down. And I hope that you parents or you other older people, that you'll write them down too. And maybe, as Allison indicated, write down some names of some younger people that you think could do that And see it as your job to go encourage that service. Writing cards. Um, Even if a child cannot form words, they can write a card that will encourage someone. And that can be as simple as a handprint. And it can grow into a tree or a car or a house or a watercolor painting. But It starts with something much less than that hugs and affection. Um, I I told you there's always like younger and older is always kind of who knows where to draw the boundary. In this example, I'm younger. Mamie Ransbottom gets very angry at me if I do not give her a hug when I see her uh, on Sunday mornings. Um, She might not describe it as anger, but she kind of, it looks like anger. (laughs) But that's true of everyone. The affection of a child Warms the heart. Teach your children to love others, especially to love older people and those that may be lonely. Um, Opening the door at the building. I used to think it was kind of silly that people stood there and opened the door all the time. But once you have like multiple children to carry, three backpacks and your own Bible, um, all of a sudden someone standing at the door and holding it is a big service, man. And, and Joshua is disabled, so <laughs> thankfully beforehand Joshua had started training some of our younger guys to do it. Um, but that's always encouraging and helpful. Teach your children or other younger people to make cookies or to make a meal, and I don't care what it is. I just want to be really clear on that. I don't care if it's heating up f- frozen cream corn. That's making food for somebody. Invite them to do that with you and don't belittle what they can do. Encourage it and enable it and help them grow in that and see that it's service. You can drive if you can drive. You can help older people with their errands. You can take them places. You can bring them to to worship. You can show them love in a variety of ways. You can invite them to eat with you. A few years ago, we invited Judy to go to lunch with us, and our relationship's never been the same. It's, it's grown and blossomed because we, on a random Saturday, had free time when we asked Judy to go with us and Autumn and Chloe to lunch. And at Logan's Roadhouse in Smyrna, our relationship changed for a decade. Um, invite them to serve with you. They have energy. Uh, If you're older and you don't have energy, go find a young person that does and use your experience to help them to know what work they can do. You can sing with them. You can sing. You can ask younger people to go with you to sing with someone. If you want to encourage Karen Shearer, go in the Tesha's basement and sing with her. No matter your age. And it will lift her spirits. You can visit. There's nothing easier than visiting an older person if you've brought someone under 12 with you maybe under 14 even because because they love young people they want to talk to young people there's crystal used to like crystal's been shy some of you may not realize that crystal's shy um but when she realized she wanted to start visiting people when the girls when autumn and chloe were um call it four and six she realized it wasn't hard all she had to do was show up in an old person's house and put a four-year-old and a six-year-old in front of them, and she didn't have to say anything. <laughs> Which, you know, her, like, natural state. Um, and so because of that, she visited a lot of people. She visited Lucy Waller, um, who very few people here will know, uh, was a member for many years, and then she was um, in an assisted living facility for, I don't know, two decades. Um, something that wasn't us, but we know of that people did for her, um, a younger person went to her um, once a week and read books to her. She was partially, and in the end, completely blind. They read to her. Well, we got a whole lot of younger people in this room who can read. Go read with someone. Um, one thing that Crystal did years ago um, to help encourage our girls to service Civil Claypool used to have a weekly Bible study here um, uh, with, uh, Crystal told me to describe it as the older ladies, not the old ladies, just to be clear. Um, And um, one Valentine's, Crystal talked to the girls and asked them if they would be willing to make lunch for all those ladies. And so for a Valentine's Day, all those ladies came over to our house and the girls prepared lunch and then they served lunch to them. And at that point, that meant that soup bowls were half full and coffee cups were half full and things were all done in ways that uh, I think a 6 and an 8 or a 7 and a 9-year-old could do. But it taught them to serve. It taught them to show hospitality regardless of their ability. If you don't define yourself as, as younger, the thing I want to leave you with is As you engage with younger people and their service, accept it. Accept their service. Accept the cards that look like, you know, a Rorschach painting. You can't tell what it is. Say thank you. Give them a hug. Accept the meal that might not be that great. Maybe you can tell it's frozen corn that was warmed up. And say thank you and ask them to do it again. Accept the service, encourage it, nourish it, and watch it flourish. And if we can do that for all of our people here, we will all serve more. Whether you're younger or you're middle-aged or you're older, if people tell you that they are grateful for your service, you will serve more. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that that is how we create a united congregation in the service of our Father. We're blessed to serve a God who doesn't require perfection. We shouldn't require perfection in service either. He doesn't require more than we can do. Instead, His desire is that we all work together, growing in love, growing in maturity, and growing in joint service. Despite our age, young, middle, old, our ability, all of it, he expects our service and he accepts our service. Thank you for your attention tonight as we have talked about the service of younger people, how we can encourage it, and how we can enable faithfulness for God's family. Uh, If there's anything we can do to help you, um, we're going to sing a song And you can come forward and ask for that. Or if you're not comfortable with that, come talk to me later. Talk to Chip. Talk to Barry. Don't feel like you have to do it up here. Ask for help. And we'll all be grateful to offer you the service and the love of our Father. Let's stand and sing.